This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. Go to patreon.com slash blueshirtsbreakaway today to get access to our BSBOTs, Discord, and more. Support the show that we do all year round and that somehow we are in episode 401. We have Molly Walker on the show today, a great interview. We talk all Ranger things for, I don't know, 35 minutes, great time. And then we get really into the weeds and nonsense on uh, five stars. So if you're looking for non or just sports and uh, I don't know, other weird conversation, you can stick to the end. Uh, Cause talk about like Saudi Arabia and buying Mbappe and trade the trade deadline for a baseball. We kind of hit around the horn. It's around the horn base, uh, Bullshit's breakaway style. All right, enough of that. Let's get to Mark Messier and get to the show. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans. Welcome. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello, and I have a question for you. Uh-oh. Happened to go to uh, two Premier League games on Sunday night. Had a wonderful time. Mm. It was saw uh, Fulham versus Brentford, a banger, and then uh, Newcastle versus Aston Villa. Someone recognized me in line. They were like, are you Ryan Mead? I was like, I'm sorry. Shout out to that guy. Two rows in front of me was the Premier League trophy. Now, Greg, I think you and I can agree that the Stanley Cup is undefeated when it comes to trophies. It's the best trophy in sports. It's awesome. Everything else like that. Mm. The guy handling the Premier League trophy put on white gloves. Does that mean it's real? And why do I think the white gloves make, like, make, why would they bring it to America? And why do the white gloves trick me? Is the Stanley Cup also real? And is there replicas? I mean, there are definitely replicas. But, yeah, I'd say it's probably the feels like I, a weird thing to fly it over for a game in Philadelphia. Not involving Manchester City? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Feels yeah, weird. Just, like, imagine the MLB just rolls out the uh, the trophy for Twins Guardians on yeah, a Thursday. The, in the UK, they're like, Twins Guardians, here's the... Well, World actually, you know, now, that, now that I'm saying it, I bet you the trophy was in London uh, for the London Series games. But then again, those are regular season games with consequence. Right. They actually do ha- They do matter. These are preseason games that do not matter, that are just simply to be like, look, there's Premier League players in America. Enjoy. I don't know. It's not the weirdest thing. I do know, to the White Gloves point, they do that for all the trophies, which is always funny. Do they um, do that for the Stanley Cup? I feel like everyone oh yeah. just touches yeah, yeah, yeah. the cup. There's like no, hot well, dogs and babies. The in guy it. who ho- handles it is always wearing gloves. Um, the White Gloves thing really gets me. Yeah, <laughs> they do it. I, I think you would have seen it this weekend um, with the Claret Jug. Out at the Open Championships. I, can I just say? Yeah, you can. It's July. (laughs) I love that England, once the world's greatest power, debated. Um, Debatable. They just, they're just like, nah, our our championships are just called the championships. It's the championship at Wimbledon. We call it Wimbledon, but it's just referred to as the championship. The British Open is just the Open. The Open Championship. And I got to tell you, that's great fucking marketing. Well done. Well done. All those spices and yet your food is still garbage, Britain. What are we doing? Uh, also, we shout, doing? Out, shout out Brian Harmon. Uh, Savannah, Georgia, born and raised. He was a fixture 
in our office when I worked in TV in Georgia because he is cousins with one of my former coworkers down there. There's so, a, lot, was a lot just happened. I did not follow a goddamn thing. Brian Harmon won the Open Championship. Oh, good for him. Impressively. Um, I think by like the – I don't know if it's – it was impressive. Everything was just – haven't seen this since Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. And anytime anyone's throwing Tiger out there, I was like, oh, okay. I yeah, get it. It's pretty exciting. good. Uh, my favorite thing about Brian Harmon winning the Open Championship, though – He's he's kind of just an also ran guy, always lingering, never threatening. So his family didn't travel with him to England. That's they were in amazing. Syracuse for the weekend. <laughs> They're just like, like I'm sure. That, for him. What, what do you think that conversation was like before? It's like, babe, uh, listen, this is like my 15th British Open. Do you really you really gonna bring the three kids? I'm not gonna commercial. Win. Like, yeah, I'm not doing this. Yeah, it's a babe. Get your check. We'll see you after the weekend. Have fun. Good luck. Finish. He's alone in Britain. (laughs) He won by like, it was never in doubt that he wasn't going to win. Like at some point. And then do you have that conversation Saturday where you call the wife and you're just like, you know, I'd fly you out here, but I don't want you to screw up the vibes that I have right now. It's like when Shane is on the couch with her dog. She can't, you cannot move. The the dogs can't move. Yep. That's the rules. I'm, I'm in a vibe. That's it. The white gloves thing, just to bring it up one more time, I cannot believe how much it triggered me to be like, wow, that trophy's really important. It just doesn't mean anything. Stupid. Anyway. See, I don't, I don't consider the, – the white gloves don't signal importance to me. It just kind of signals obsessive compulsive. I just don't know. Like, uh, everyone touches the Stanley Cup. I don't know why you need white gloves. But everyone the first, does the, everything to the Stanley the Cup. The teams touch the Stanley Cup. The dude who hands them the Stanley Cup is wearing gloves. I just like how we think as humans, like, hey – He's not touching it because he's got gloves on. Sacred, okay? You can't yeah. touch it without gloves. I mean, buddy, the Pope drives behind glass. so That's fair. Well, probably for good reason. So, all right. <laughs> Out of context, Blue Strickly. Congratulations there. Uh, let's talk about the Ranger news. All right, anything else? <laughs> uh, let's see. Jesus. I think I, I thought of something when we were talking to Molly because we're going in reverse today. We do have a good interview with Molly Walker of the New York Post where we talk exclusively all things Rangers. Yeah, so we did, we did good, good for us, Ryan. If you're, if you're looking for a solid 30 minutes of actual Ranger news and information in July 24th, we got your back. Outside of that, like it's kind of we're waiting for the Lafreniere waiting game. It's like, how much money? Ah, uh, yes, this is how much I have remaining. But we'll take I this. guess you... I'm not the only one that thinks there's unwarranted angst about why he hasn't signed, right? Do you do you get that sense? Um, are you saying like the fans are like, "Hey, why isn't Lafreniere signed already?" Or are you saying like the 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 actual club no, is the upset fan, with fans. him? All fans, all fans. Yeah. I think I think the club is just it's done, and we're just not announcing it right now. This is correct. It is done. Uh, Molly says so as much later. Spoiler, uh, but it is going to happen in the next couple weeks. I I don't. Like, there's no exploring trades. I believe Chris Jury when he says that. Uh, I, I think there's been some shots taken at Lafreniere. Well, there's a couple things against him, right? He's number one overall pick. He was fairly hyped. He was not a generational talent, but the fair, talent below. Fair, fairly hyped? Uh, not fairly as in um, appropriately, but, like, he was hyped a lot. Oh, like, I thought when you're like he was fairly hyped. Like, yeah, you might have heard a little about him before the draft. No, no, no. You did, like there was constant conversation about like okay, got where it. he's up at. What you put and down. He was a game changer, uh, and he has not been that so far. Whether that's the Rangers' fault or Lafreniere's fault or both, that is yet to be seen. I think I would make the case for both, um, and you and I have I think made the case for both very many times where it's. 
We believe Lafreniere is a player, but at some point you have to show the goods to force yourself into better positions. And he just hasn't done that. The even strength points and goals are somewhat there sometimes, but then there are times like the Devil Series where he and everybody else is invisible. So yes, there is an angst about why he has not signed yet. I understand why fans are not are doing that. There's nothing else to talk about. So why, why, why wouldn't you complain about Lafreniere? But if you want this team, unfortunately, to take the next step to become this potential Stanley Cup finalist or contender of the next three years, you need, you need Lafreniere and Kako to be the players, or at least 80% of the players you thought they'd be. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I, we, it's, we, we've beaten that horse. I think, I'm curious. We got time. I, I, ha- I, I just thought of something, and I'm just going to say it, mm-hmm. and you're going to react to it. And then we're going to break it down. That's how podcasts work. We're going to realize seven <laughs> minutes later that it was a useless exercise. It's July. Hockey fans, specifically New York Ranger fans. I think for some reason, we've all, ourselves included, have developed a little slowly. What I mean by that, okay, hear me out. I'm hearing you out. and So far you're right, but continue. Well, what I mean by that is, I think if you were to compare the 20, the, the complete mean, the 50% Ranger fan, where sure, there are 15% up high up, 15% down low, but that middle 70% Ranger fan, if I had to compare them to another New York fan base at a certain time, I'd say they're that 2003 to 2008 Yankee fan. We're like, no hmm. patience. We want the stars. We have the stars. We're going to be critical of the stars, fair or unfair. We have our one homegrown guy that we love, maybe two, three homegrown guys that we love. But if you're not in that homegrown triumvirate where you're loved, we're looking for a reason to turn on you. And I think, like, think of those Yankee teams. Everybody jazzed about the Giambis, the Damons. The Clemens. Uh, but you still had Jeter. You still had Mo. You still had... The core four. Pettin. Well, I, you know, that's the Posada conversation is different. That man, good for him. He rode coattails so hard to get in that core four. I'm with, I'm with you. It really was a core three. <laughs> it was core three. It's, but, it's, it's like there, there were four Beatles, but we're talking about three. There's a reason. Yeah. Ringo... Would have just been a drummer without the Beatles. Ringo did go on to do things like uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. We're and... I'm, I'm, we're losing the trees here a little bit. I Kay. just, I think, I just, I don't know. I don't know how to really phrase this. I just, I do, I think sports fandom has evolved, generally speaking, to a point where we're, I think, more fair, potentially, possibly. But some, some about your the Ranger fans. I maybe it's because I just I wasn't a Yankee fan, and those Met teams I had two one year to be really happy, then crushed, and then two years to be somehow crushed further. Um, but like I don't know. I just the Lafreniere conversation to me. I can't quite. Oh no! I, there's a group of Knicks fans that will never like R.J. Barrett. You know. Because he's not Ja or Zion. At the same time, unlike those two, he plays. He plays, and he had a great playoff. Yeah, so, he, he doesn't do things on Instagram. But, but okay, but I, I think R.J. Barrett's a good 
a good person to mention here because RJ Barrett had an excellent playoffs and he earned the love of the city. He earned it, right? I think we can agree. He- no, well, I actually will disagree. I think Jalen Brunson is the Knicks now. He is the Knicks, but if, but if you RJ asked- Barrett had a moment in New York sports where he was like, I can actually perform on a big stage. That happened. I think if you ask New Yorkers name two Knicks, I'd say 93% of them would go Brunson Randall. I don't think Barrett is there. I think you're right. I think you're but right. The, the, the point I, my, I'm getting my, to here. Oh, you I go think, ahead. Well, I think my original point is RJ Barrett gets selected third overall in what we were told. I, I think we lied to ourselves a little bit and said it was a three-player draft. There was clearly a big fall off after Barrett for sure. But it obviously there was, it was two guys. Everybody wanted the Knicks got picked third. It's not like RJ Barrett has played poorly since he was drafted. I think people wanted him to be a star immediately. He's not that he probably won't be that, but he's also good for what? 28 and four. That's really good. I have a hypothetical. Okay. I I think it's fun. Let's switch the drafts. And Lafreniere gets drafted number two uh, the year before, and then Kako gets taken the year after at one. Kako, at least, I, and we had a, I had a part in this, and of course I'm biased, is generally very loved by the New York Ranger fan base. I would say we're, we're, we're protective of him. Um, I'd say we're protective of him. I don't, I don't know. Do you think he's universally loved? I don't think he's universally loved. His approval rating is much higher than Lafreniere's. Well, yes. Much higher. And I don't think Lafreniere ever had a moment to really shine and adore himself. Outside of the one, uh, the shift, of course, against Tampa Bay, I don't think Lafreniere has really done that, hey, New York, you have to love me situation. Whereas where Capo does anything, we're always like, my, my child, oh my God, I can't believe he's doing this. It's not really like that with Lafreniere. Well, Kako does the dirty things that your old school Ranger fans love. And he does an occasional flashy thing and looks good on the cheat sheets, which your new school Ranger fan really loves. Lafreniere isn't quite that hard-nosed player when he doesn't have the puck. He's got that dog in him when he wants it. It's not always, though. Is it, however... Counterpoint, Ryan. If the Florida Panthers selected one overall and took Jack Hughes, mm-hmm. are we still this protective of Kako if Jack Hughes isn't in the same solar system? Probably. I think we are because it's the first kind of high draft pick the Rangers have had in so long that we wanted to protect and we wanted him to be everything we always wanted. And then we got Lafreniere at, at because of the pandemic and as as an accident, we got, we got the we got Lafreniere because Gary Bettman sucks at math. This is also correct, uh, and thought it was like a blessing, and it it kind of is still. He's still a good player who is going to sign for a cheap contract, but he's not these the Jack Hughes, the Tim Stutzels kind of players. He's just, just hasn't been. You keep um, put, you keep putting Stutzla up here, buddy, and it, it I got to tell you, every time you do it, it bothers me. I think you, you, you've fallen for some weird Canadian media mind trick. I have. I actually was reading um, I can't, uh, an article today for, by Dom Lucician. And it was like, best contracts of the NHL. Good article if you want to go read it. Uh, you don't, you know, if you, want to, if you subscribe or not, I don't care. Um, 
and he had Stutzel in the top 10, and I was like, man, this is a really damn good contract. And I don't know if he's proven himself really yet in Ottawa. He has the opportunity. I'm sure Lafreniere might put up similar numbers if he was in a similar situation. Um, but Hughes, obviously, is in a class of his own. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's ever more a clear situation where the Senators stink. They had to play someone. They played Stutzla. If, Stutzla, if you just switch Lafreniere and Stutzla, I bet you Lafreniere is like a 65-point season by now. Because he would have been fed top power play minutes, would have been fed 20 minutes a night. He'd just be playing. And he's a great player. Yeah. Stutzla, if the Rangers drafted Stutzla, he too would be stuck on a third line not playing on the power play. I, and he I, too would not... Like, we just... I think often just context is lost when people have this Stutzla-Lafreniere conversation. To me, if talent-wise, Lafreniere is more talented. Situationally speaking... One of the guys plays more than the other guy and has more opportunity. So I'm surprised. I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't blame you. I, well, I do blame you a little bit. You, should. You, you do this every now and then. But it's, this is a big Canadian hockey media trope where they're just like, boy, Ottawa, huh? Look at this thing they did. Yet at the same time, I didn't see anyone uh, Canadian media-wise shitting on the Alex DeBrincat trade. Ottawa just, Canadian media just really wants Ottawa to matter. And to, for us to care about them. And I don't know how to tell them that we never will. Never will. I just am really salty they beat us that one time. So, whatever. Yeah, because that team had Mark Stone and Eric Carlson. And now that team doesn't. And yet, I'm supposed to take that team seriously? Yeah, that's true. Interesting. Uh, Lafreniere, back to him just for a second. And Look, this is the year. We There's no more coddling. Gloves are off. White gloves are off. The trophy. Uh, and Lafreniere has to... Has to prove himself in every single way. Will he get power play one time? I have no idea. I, I legitimately have no clue how Laviolette's uh, going to run the power play. I know it's going to be a little bit different than Gallant. I know that they might experiment and do some certain things. But do we as... know it'll be different than Gallant? No, we don't. Because we thought Gallant would be different from Quinn. And it wasn't. It, it couldn't have been less different. In fact, the only difference between Gallant and Quinn is Gallant never used power play too. Never. Never. Which Shana likes. Which Shana, look, and, and more power, Shana's very smart and good at her job. So I have to sometimes agree with her. But with La, with Lafreniere, it's, I hate the argument like, hey, he's had this amount of point time on a power play and he has only this amount of points. Yeah, dude, I've watched all those power plays. They're a disaster. It is not his fault. No, no. The second, well, the second unit, it always felt disjointed as it should because they've never got time. And in, again... People could say, well, they had time in practice. It turns out Gallant wasn't running practices. <laughs> it doesn't Maybe, turn out. I mean, we kind of do. I, but we never, I know we never talked about it on the show. We would talk about practices and generalities. You and I, other people may have talked about how Gallant never really practiced or ran full practices. You and I, we cannot say we talked about it. We can say we've talked about a lot of things. We have to admit defeat and hand up and say we missed the boat on that one. Fine. Yeah, we never broke down. We weren't there. I wish we would have been. That would have been awesome to see a practice or two. But uh, maybe nothing was happening, so it didn't really matter. Uh, it's very clear nothing was happening. There was never enough time for something to happen. <laughs> you think the practice was kind of like, hey, power play one, keep it the same? Yep. Okay. You guys want to go home, grab a beer? All right, sounds good. I do wonder sometimes if Gallant looked at practice and saw he had Zabanajad, Panarin, Kreider, had all Trocheck. Truba, Fox, Lindgren. He would just look at his roster and go, the fuck am I going to teach these guys? Just, just call it a day, guys. 
Just just relax. We'll see, part- see you on Tuesday. Partially correct, but also maybe do your job. It's part, right. part of it. Ryan, uh, yeah, it's a hot take you got there, Chief. I know. All right. Well, uh, speaking of hot takes, do you want to go to the Molly conversation now, or is there anything else we would like to do in the open? Um, I, You know, the fans are asking, when are we going to have the Tyler Pitlick conversation? Is there a Tyler Pitlick conversation? And that's the Tyler Pitlick conversation. <laughs> I think we can now throw to Molly. All right. Transition. Hey, we're back with our first guest of the day. We have Molly Walker of the New York Post. Ever heard of it? Molly, welcome back to the show. How was your summer? It's been long, guys. It's, it's, been, been, really, it's <laughs> been really, really long. Like one of the longer off seasons that I can it, remember, honestly. It's, uh, it's, it's the 30 Rock off season <laughs> where it's like, man, what a week. Lemon, it's Tuesday. Seriously. It, 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 I mean, we still have a month left. Over a month left. I mean... Ugh month and and change at this point it's 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 just been a little a little boring a little little lagging a lot of time for the team to think about what went wrong so i have some answers yeah. <laughs> uh i guess we could kind of start there I, have we had you on since the end of the season i don't think so i don't know i don't think so yeah um we all on paper this mm-hmm. team looked like the most talented Ranger team I expected to ever see in my lifetime. Yep. Unfortunately, the chemistry that was there and uh, some injuries as well. I don't know if you knew this, but I think everybody on Earth knew Patrick Kane needed hip surgery. <laughs> uh, and, and when it came out, it was like, why is this a surprise? I thought, I thought like the Rangers and, and Patrick Kane and everybody else knew. Right. This was kind of a thing, mm-hmm. uh, but he could play through it. Uh, Kane didn't do that well in the playoffs. He's still a free agent. Maybe he comes back to the Rangers quote unquote I have no I have no idea but when when the Rangers lost that game seven and kind of note didn't kind of totally no show three of the games and against the Devils yeah where was your head out at, at that point I'm sure you've talked about this ad nauseum but just to refresh yeah just to refresh after the first two games I thought they were going to the cup same <laughs> same dude <laughs> I mean like let's start there I mean those two games were just unbelievable I mean, they absolutely laid the hammer down. Of course, the devil's nerves um, and inexperience on that stage probably played a major role in that. Um, But regardless, I think whoever the Rangers were facing, they play like they did those first two games, and they would have had a much, much longer playoff run than we ultimately saw. I, I really do trace a lot of what happened to the Rangers to a lack of drive and, you know, a lack of motivation. It just felt like after those two games, you know, this has been a trade of the Rangers, you know, for the last couple of years or so. They sit back. They get comfortable. You know, they they looked at those two games and they were probably feeling really good about themselves, as they should have. But it just felt like once things got a little bit hard, not only was the man at the helm, Gerard Gallant, not necessarily able to make the necessary adjustments, in-game adjustments, line adjustments that probably needed to happen to get something going, but it just didn't seem like the Rangers' hearts were in it, which I feel like the playoff run to the conference final, that was what they were operating on. And that was a huge part of their DNA and what pushed them to go as far as they did. So I think that... They missed that that heart, that drive, that inspiration. Kind of fell off a little bit, and I think that definitely, you know, was attributed to a bit of a disconnect between the players and Gallant toward the end there. Um, but obviously, in that fashion, it was very disappointing to see because it just felt like the Devils just rolled over them in the end after such a convincing and encouraging strong start, which is. 
I just think what made this first round exit all the more unbearable to watch and unbearable to, you know, experience, I guess. But that's where I think Laviolette comes in. And I think that he will be able to bring a little bit, uh, hopefully more than just a little bit, um, of what they were really missing all of last season, I think. Need a lot of it. Happy happy you brought up Laviolette. Because instead of depressing everybody out and reminding them that we lost to the New Jersey Devils in the first round of the playoffs, I like to play a fun little game with you, Molly. I didn't yeah. prep you on this. I didn't prep it's Ryan okay. on this. Uh, it's I call this um, New York Post headline cutting room floor. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Did I, I have at least three headlines that I think were thought of but eventually decided not to go with. So <laughs> the first one is the obvious one. Why didn't we go with live, lav, love? <laughs> uh, my second one was lav at fifth site because he had so many interview rounds there. Um, lav Island. Uh, lav Island. <laughs> lav is blind for when things go badly with Peter Laviolette. I just, I, I lav actually, I think, could yep. have been a really good headline for when he actually was announced as head coach. So my question is, Molly, who do I need to talk to? How can I help you? I'm here for you. How can you get a job? <laughs> no, but there's so many opportunities with LaViolette. Even Wheeler, too. I think we had a fun one. It was like like wheeling and dealing, something like that. Um, and I loved it. I love the play on the on the last names. It's the best. It's, it's yeah, what we do best. <laughs> I know. When I just, I already, the good news with LaViolette is if things go poorly, the puns that'll fly out of there. It's like live in LaViolette die is another good one. Um, You're just spewing them out one by one. Jesus. I, talk about a cutting room floor. Wonder what Greg did this weekend? I have an idea. <laughs> this weekend? No, this was just from 9 o'clock to 1130 today. Uh, no, but I, you, had a really, you, you had a really good write-up on Laviolette obviously this coaching process um it, it, Ryan and I this was our Ryan what is this our fourth coach but I think Molly yep. since you joined the post it's mm-hmm. your third yep. this process felt I don't know it, it was definitely different but not a good different yeah. in terms of the search so I'm curious from your perspective from inside New York Ranger media um, what what was this search like compared? Gallant seemed like a foregone conclusion. Right. David Quinn felt like the Rangers were clearly trying something different. Mm-hmm. And this one, I mean, Ryan and I have talked about it where it felt like, well, all right, I guess this is going to be our guy because our other guys didn't become available. But from your perspective, what was this search like? I think a lot of it had to do with the landscape. You know, obviously last offseason, there were so many more big names available so many more options. So I think it was it was a timing thing of what made this search seem so uninspired, which was the word that a lot of people threw around. And I don't disagree with it. But at the end of the day, I think the Rangers came out with the most experienced, well-established, and most qualified guy for the job who was available on the NHL coaching market. Um, I know that a lot of people would, would have loved to have seen a Jay Leach or you know somebody else who hasn't had an NHL coaching head coaching job, um, you know Patrick Waugh, you know someone exciting and new and different. I know a lot of people would have liked that, but 
I look at where the Rangers are and I look at this front office and were they really going to hand the keys over to a guy like Jay Leach who, nope. you know, is ex- n- no, never, absolutely never, not. No, no chance. Like, quite literally no chance. And with this room, it's not an easy room. It's a very unique collection of players. They needed someone who was going to come in with a little bit of body behind them, like a little bit of force. And from what I gathered and talking to a bunch of people about La Violette, that's who he is. Like he comes in, he packs a punch, he brings in some weight, he's got some, he's got a presence to him. And I think that's a little bit of what they needed. If you look at where the Rangers have gone from, David Quinn, you know, who's going to be over your shoulder, wanting to help you along, coddle you, have a relationship with you. You know, that's his college coaching ways creeping in. I'm sure he's evolved now, but that was who they got when he first came in. And then you go to Gerard Gallant, who was so old school, hands off, do what you do, you know, just figure it out by yourself. I'm not coaching. Yeah. You do, you should, you do <laughs> yourself. <on>. Like <laughs> they, they went from one extreme to the next. And I think that Laviolette is a little bit in the middle. I think that he has a little bit of both to him. He likes to have player relationships that happen organically. You know, he's not going to force it, but he does take an interest in his players. He's already reached out to the team, which he told us during his introductory press conference. Um, but I also think that he's hard. I think that he, you know, has high expectations, has standards, expects 110% every single day from practice to games to what you do off the ice. Um, I think this is just how he runs his ship. And, and I, I think that It'll be it'll be good for the Rangers. I do think that it is the right temperament coming in the room from what I've gathered so far. Molly, I want to come back to La Violette in just a second. And this question is kind of out of left field, so stick with me mm-hmm, just gotcha. for a moment. Mm-hmm. You mentioned like a kind of like a tough room. Mm-hmm. Not on the ice, but how much off the ice did that locker room miss Ryan Strom last year? That's that's a you know, I definitely think that they did. I think that you do have a lot of professionals in that room, though, who have you look at Chris Kreider, who's basically played on two different teams in his Rangers tenure, you know, from top to bottom. Yep. Um, so you could, say, you could say three with Kreider. Yeah, you could. You you really could. So I think that they all know that that's part of it. And, you know, I think that the writing was on the wall for Ryan Strom. You know, Ryan Strom shook all of our hands on his the, on breakup day and la- his last press conference with us like he knew he was leaving. So, of course, the rest of the team knew that he was leaving so I don't think it was like I don't think it was a Zuccarello you know leaving getting traded you know Henrik Lundqvist you know holding back tears on camera type of situation because everybody knew about it so I I you know for camaraderie sure but I, I don't think that it had as big of an impact as you know some people might think I think that they all me? know that it's yeah <laughs> me, yeah I, I don't know if it was that big of a deal really um, I think Trocek you know came in and filled the void uh, relatively well wouldn't say better or worse you know but you know better in some areas like face-offs you know and and worse in others where he you know it took a little bit for him to get on the same page with Artemi Panarin, you know, so you could really give or take um, with with that situation. But I, I really do think that it's a room of professionals and that, you know, nobody was really surprised that it happened or, or blindsided by it. So I don't think it necessarily had a huge impact. I, I do think it's funny in hindsight. Um, we're shocked that 
Panarin had better chemistry with the good old boy Canadian, <laughs> just milky white, aw shucks, Ryan Strom. And we traded that in for a true Yinzer in Vincent Trocek. And we're like, nah, it'll be fine. They're the same person. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I will say, I think I think Trocek really figured it out in the second half of the season. I really, really liked his game. I mean, I'm obviously this is excluding the playoffs because really you could count on one hand how many players had a good playoff. There's one. Their names are Phil yeah. Heedle and Capo Caco, and I don't think I can name another one after them. Exactly. Um, so I, But I do think that Trocek really was comfortable, settled in, figured out his role, and figured out what he needed to do toward the uh, second half of the season, especially toward the end. Um, so I think that I think that ended up being a pretty good uh, signing for them. Speaking of signings, Molly, uh, this mm. is a good transition. Mm, look at you. How do, we, how do we feel about the parade of veteran minimums coming into the New York Rangers? Specifically, I think Gustafson, Bonino, and Wheeler of most interest. Yeah, I mean, I think the range, I think Chris Jury did what he could do with what he had. You know, I think that given the cap circumstance and, you know, just all the outside factors, you know, the Rangers were in a, weren't in a position to be giving Vladimir Tarasenko the deal that he wanted, which was clearly had term and clearly had multiple multiple millions of dollars attached still to it. Still out there, Molly. Still I know out it's there. still out there. It's not happening. It was never going to happen. It was it they're just not in a position to be doing that. You know, if But if, my content, Molly. I have, I'm sorry. Six, I have six more weeks. It's suffering. It's suffering. I'm sorry. Just get it out of your mind. Just out okay. of sight, out of mind now. It's, it's it's just it was never going to happen. Larry and I have been writing about it since the season ended. So it's all the people that are shocked, like, come on. Um, but I think that I think that he did well with what he had. I think Wheeler is a huge steal at eight hundred thousand dollars. And I also think that's a testament to who he is as a person and, you know, his goals in in the NHL. You know, he thinks he's joining a contending team and he was willing to take a little bit less to make it happen and, and you know, reunite with his buddy. Jacob Truba. So I think that that's going to end up being a really, really big pickup for the Rangers. And I think I expect him to be in the top six right away, um, just in terms of who Actually, where he is. Can I pick that nit a little bit? Sure, go ahead. Do do we expect him to be in the top six right away? You're convinced Lafreniere is not playing right wing in the top six. I... Okay, so I actually wrote about this today for our Rangers newsletter. I kind of gave two starting lineups for the opening night you know, game. And I think that Lavula is going to take this in one of two ways. I do kind of expect him to go with what he knows and, you know, stick with the veteran, you know, guys that he's more familiar with. And that will keep Wheeler and Chris Kreider in the top six as a starting point. Because he also did say that, you know, he believes that young talent, you know, they need opportunities. And, and I do expect him to give those opportunities when they're warranted. So it's either going to be he starts like that with veterans and guys that he knows and are familiar with, including Gustafsson in the third pair, probably over Zach Jones. Um, and or and or, you know, whether it be right out of the gate or somewhat down the line. He is definitely going to give Lafreniere a, a a top six look, and I think Capo might start there to begin with. You know, Philip Heedle too. I do think that they will see their time and get their opportunity. Um, but in terms of where I think he's going to start, if you're asking me, gun to my head, I do think that he will lean toward having Wheeler up there, Kreider up there. Uh, I'm not really sure about Heedle or Trocheck. Um, 
where he's going to start. I think he might take a look and and you know pan it out from there. But and same with uh, Gustafsson. I think he will start uh, probably over Jones. But Jones will get a look because I know the Rangers don't want to put him on waivers out of training camp. So no matter what, whether he's the sixth or the seventh, um, I he will be on the opening night roster probably. That checks out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to go back to Chris Drury real quick. Yeah. You've been there for his entire tenure, mm-hmm. and I think he started out a little rough. Mm-hmm. I think we could all agree. There's mm-hmm. the, we don't need to reiterate the Bucinic right. trade, Nemeth, et cetera. Everybody knows. How have you seen personally Chris Drury's sort of grasp on the organization and, and his culture changing over these past three years? I think he started to learn from his mistakes. Uh, we heap praises on Chris Drury on this show pretty often. Uh, I, I believe my, my personal opinion is that he's a top five GM and has learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, his trades have been excellent. I think a lot of his signings for budget have been excellent. But culture-wise, what have you seen as the shift just either behind the scenes or, or, or the culture of the organization overall? Look, I will preface this by, you know, saying something that everybody knows, you know, Chris Jerry is very private and, you know, we yeah, don't, we, all know. <laughs> we, we really, even us who are supposed to be on the inside, you know, don't necessarily know as much, but I do think, and I, I do like in particular with where they've gone with this coaching staff in particular as a whole, um, just the additions, the assistant coaches that they've brought on. I think that it's a different take. Um, on on just a coaching staff in general, and I think that I think that it'll be beneficial for the team for the guys that they have. Um, so I do like what he's done from I guess from a management uh, perspective of of who he's accumulated on this new coaching staff. I think that I think that you're right. I think that he's learned a lot from his mistakes. I think that he didn't. He, he didn't know Gerard Gallant really well beforehand. There was no pre-existing rapport there. And I think that that ended up being the demise of their, you know, working relationship. Um, there really was no fallback there. And I do think that he's, you know, has a better foundation with LaViolette. And I think that that was something that was a prerequisite coming in for him just to have a better rapport um, with your head coach. So I think that he is learning from his mistakes and he is adapting. And then, you know, you look at, you know, look at what he did last season at the trade deadline. You know, you never pass up a chance to get Patrick Kane, whether it's Patrick Kane skating on one hip or not, um, for the price that he came at. You know, that's the fact that he was able to, you know, to make that happen. Um, and same thing with Tarasenko. I remember talking to Chris Kreider after it happened and him being like, yeah, none of us thought that that was even a possibility here. <laughs> like, we yep. were all like, wait, is Vladimir Tar- Tarasenko really coming to New York? You know, it was kind of out of left field, something nobody really thought about. Um, and he made it happen. So it's hard to it's hard to argue with those uh, sorts of moves. And again, like I said, with uh, his moves this offseason and free agency, I think he's done pretty well with with the space that he had. Um, and you know, it's still, it's still the Rangers, it's still a destination spot. You know, Jonathan Quick wanting to come back and play for his childhood team, you know, Blake Wheeler wanting to come and play on a contending team and willing to do it for an absolute bargain, bargain bin deal, um, you know, is a testament to the Rangers reputation around the league, I think. Uh, we've never, at least I don't think we've had the full Jonathan Quick conversation on the <laughs> podcast yet this summer. Oh, great. Make sure you uh, say UMass, because I will. Oh, uh, I wasn't <laughs> going to. I, I was going to say, it's not quite the Mets signing Chase Utley after he breaks Ruben Tejada's leg or late career <laughs> Chipper Jones. Yeah. But it's like, growing up, I would close my eyes at night, and at 2.30 <laughs> in the morning, I would just wake up randomly and just go, Oh, Pat Burrell! And I think, and I think Jonathan Quick is on the Pat Burrell level. Yeah. So 
I just do you, I, I, how am I supposed to embrace this guy? I guess is my question. And I need you, Molly, someone like 10 years younger than me who is more mature than I'll ever be, tell me how to do this. You've got to just focus. You can't focus on the past. You got to focus on the. <laughs> I know easier said than done, but you got a Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame goaltender coming in to back up Igor Shisterkin. Um, you know, he's got championship pedigree, he's been around the block. I mean, I, I really did feel for him when we were talking to him during his introductory press conference. I mean, he is not happy about how everything went down in Los Angeles. You could tell he feels slighted. He, you know, he genuine. he said he genuinely thought that he was going to retire a king. And, you know, when that didn't happen, you know, he had to adapt. He went Vegas, you know, won a cup, you know, got another, got his name written on there a third time because why not? Um, and I'm you know, <laughs> and and now he's he's coming to New York, you know, and I think that he's going to embrace the opportunity. Um, it's a team that he grew up rooting for, obviously, and it, this also works out really well for his family. He said his wife is from the Eastern area, and you know, yeah, he was again back to the point about how disappointed he was. He was fully ready to you know settle down in L.A. His kids go to school there, the whole nine yards, and now it's kind of been flipped, turned upside down, but. He sounds pretty like New York was also a very, um, you know, worked well for their family and, and what they wanted to do. So I think that he's in a good mind headspace. And I think that he's, you know, going to gonna bring what he needs to bring in a backup role. I think that Halak obviously ended up being great, but there was no way they were going to be able to bring Halak back at 1.5. Um, so, I mean, I'm surprised that Quick took less than a million just because he's Jonathan Quick. But... I think he's fighting the X situation. <laughs> yeah, hey. no, 100%. Yeah. Do, you, do you think Chris Jury's pitch Jonathan Quick was like, hey, man, I know you feel uh, slighted and done wrong by Los Angeles. Let me tell you a quick story about what the guy before me in New York did to a goaltender yeah, in New York. Exactly, exactly. Like, you know, it's it's all a business, but, you know, you can't blame the players for taking it, taking it to heart. Like, he, it did... I felt for him. I really did when he was talking to us about it. You could just, you could feel it, you know, in the Zoom call that he was just like, mm, yeah, just didn't work out that way. But you could tell that he, you know, felt something about it. But still, I, I think that he still has miles to go on him. Um, and I think that it's going to it's gonna be a good situation. I, I really I, do think it'll be a nice, you know, handoff from Halak. Yeah, I just... How is he going to be received that opening night? Like, I don't think he's going to get booed, but I honestly think it might be crickets and MSG. I'm curious to see. Honestly, I have no idea. I really, I really am unsure. I think that, I mean, I would like to think that, you know, that, that Ranger fans would be able to look past. <laughs> and I say it and I laugh because probably not. But There's I, no chance. I yeah. know, I yeah. know. And it's not but just still. Ranger fans, Molly. I, I had a moment at the track this weekend where a horse of mine didn't finish in the top three of a race. And at, <laughs> at one point I just go, man, my life really changed when Jeff Supon <laughs> fucked the Mets in 2006. <laughs> like, that, that's, that's a New York sports fan. I no. you, know, you want me to get over something? It's 100%. just not going to happen. Yeah, but like I also know that, you know, New York fans love having the big names come through. I mean, last season was awesome. Patrick, you hear the way that they received Patrick Kane and, and Tarasenko. I mean, it was, it was awesome, you know, because they're big names and, and to, for them to come to New York, it's just, it's an even bigger stage. It's, it's magnified times 10 and it's, it's so exciting. I mean, to go from Patrick Kane, Tarasenko to Jonathan Quick the next season, I mean, Ranger fans are, are really lucky. So well, let's get back to Kane. 
Yeah. We've talked about Tarasenko already. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kane is going to reportedly stay out until he's fully healed, et cetera. Probably yeah. sign in season to a team. Likely going to go to a team that's front running at the time, as he I, should, by the way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He might get five hundred million dollars from some team in Saudi Arabia, at this or point, so. <laughs> or the Saudi Arabian Hockey League is going to pay him uh, Mbappe money, whichever happens first. <laughs> uh, are the Rangers out? Are they are they going to try and keep uh, I don't know eight hundred thousand dollars of cap space left to accrue over whatever amount of time to add Patrick Kane and one another player at the trade deadline? Is that the story of this season heading up to it, or is it just? The Patrick Kane experience was what it was. We're glad we did it, or we're not, and we're moving on. Yeah, I just I don't think that his situation coincides with what the Rangers need. The Rangers aren't a, aren't in a position to be waiting around for a guy who that who they're probably going to have to pay. You know, however much they're going to have to pay him. Um, you know, either for him to come back in later in the season or not until playoffs you know we don't we don't know there's also just so much uncertainty is he going to come back are they going to take the gamble and is he going to come back and be the Patrick Kane that they have been hoping for him to be or is he going to be who we saw again in in the end of the regular season in the playoffs for the Rangers and that wasn't you know I don't I for for Kane at the end of the regular season, I didn't think that he was hurting them. He wasn't helping them either, but I didn't think they were hurt. He was hurting it, hurting them. And then in the playoffs, I did think that he hurt them a little bit. So I don't know if the Rangers want to take that sort of gamble on on him, and I don't think that they do. And I I just I think that that chapter is closed. I also go off a lot of you know what how they sound on breakup day and things like that because I think that's always very indicative. And he sounded like you know he enjoyed his pit stop in New York and and that was that. <laughs> it did seem like it, this was nice. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, no, it was a great time. But I'll catch on the flip side. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I, I think lightning just struck my car outside. That was loud. Oh, uh, that's cool. Congrats. Yeah. Um, Molly, I. I just to put a bow on Patrick Kane, because mm-hmm. you know, I was tired of talking about him before we acquired him, and now I'm extremely tired of talking about him. <laughs> but I, I, I kind of get this sense that there is a kind of, I'll call it a sect of Ranger fans, that it's more convenient for them to say Patrick Kane fucked up a lot of the chemistry on this team, and that's why the Rangers stunk after Game 2, when... You know, Ryan and I, I think at the end of Game 7, the guy we were hardest on is Mika Zibanejad. Yeah. And I feel like we've, or not we, but there is a collective we out there that has forgotten the guys who struggled most for the Rangers at the end, Zibanejad, Panarin, and Fox. Like, these are the guys we need to be focusing on and getting them right, getting them in a good situation. Because this is a, on paper, this is one of the three best teams in the Metro. I, I don't know anybody that would totally challenge me on that. I don't think they're one or two. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Yeah. But this is a really good hockey team that should have no problem making the playoffs once again as long as their stars are stars. Are you confident we're going to see a switch in that with everyone being one year older but having a new coach in place? Look, I I don't think that I don't think that Patrick Kane came in and and messed up the chemistry. I mean, you look at how he came in, his demeanor, what he said, how he acted. This is our Temi Panarin's team. Like this team was built on the foundation, on the backs of Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, Jacob Truba. Like he couldn't have been any more like the humility, like just it, it radiated off of him. And, but you know, at the same time, he also kind of played like that, which is not who Patrick Kane is. So I think that entire thing was his own separate entity. I think, you know, he was, 
it was an isolated, you know, self issue. I really do. And I don't think that it necessarily, you know, hurt the Rangers until the playoffs, you know, when everything really just, you know, collapsed and he really played pretty poorly, which he would admit himself. Um, yes, I do think that the players that, you know, everybody should be focusing on are the ones who are who are a part of the core. And the Mika Zibanejads and Artemi Panarin, because if you look at it, obviously the Rangers don't make it to the playoffs at all, especially without the contributions of Artemi Panarin. He is, you know, such a vital part to the team during the regular season. But, you know, legacies and, you know, your what you leave behind is all built in the playoffs. And obviously to no 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 secret to anybody Artemi Panarin has not performed in the playoffs. Um I do think that you know the players want wanted direction after after uh the after breakup day and and exit interviews and such, you know, that was the consensus that came out of the players is they, you know, wanted direction, they wanted harder practice, you know, they just wanted to be coached more and clearly that was what was missing with Gallant, and I do think that Laviolette. I mean, I loved what Laviolette said about compete level and how it needs to become part of your DNA. You practice how you play, and you play how you practice. And as a former athlete, I know that that's like a huge. It's legit. It's a. It's an actual thing, and it's real. And I just remember the Rangers' practices during Gallant's tenure. And again, this is no knock on on. Gallant, this is just how he is, and I think that he would be like great for a team like Calgary or something, because they're all you know lunch pail, hard worker, blue collar kind of guys, and the Rangers really aren't. But Gallant would have like thirty five minute practices, thirty minute practices, and it was the same stuff every day, and it just didn't really seem like there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears going into it. And that is who Laviolette is to his core. He like if you saw in my feature, I. I talked to a couple people on on uh, that were on that Canes team before and after the lockout, and the Laviolette that came in just annihilated them on everything. He ripped into them over the smallest things in practice. Would scream at them, yell at them, whole big scene, and you know it was jarring for a lot of the guys going from Paul Maurice to that. And it didn't really resonate well. And then they had the lockout. And when he came back, Rod Brindamore told me that he was a completely different guy, just more like himself, more like he is now, more like the coach that has, you know, been around the league. And he just he softened up in the areas that he needed to soften up. But he still kept that, you know, core belief and compete level and hard work and work ethic. And it was just a nice balance. Um, so I, I really do think that that's something that uh, the players, it's its what they wanted. It's what they're going to get. Um, so it's just a matter of seeing how they respond to it. But, I mean, those are the, the core guys or, you know, the ones that have to show up and the ones that have to come through. And the young guys are the ones that need to take the big step and, and round out the lineup and the contribution. So it's all kind of yet to be seen. Final question for me. Uh, last piece of the puzzle here, Lafreniere. What do you think? August seventeenth? I don't know. I really, <laughs> I, it's not crazy that he hasn't signed yet. Um, it's still kind of early days, I guess you could say. Um, but I, I mean, it's it's gonna happen. You know, we all kind of know what the contract's gonna look like already. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, of getting it done. So I guess I just... do think I, I I don't remember where I saw this today, but I, in a haze, I remember seeing that apparently Kako signed on like July 28th and Hedl yeah. signed on like July 27th yeah. on their initial bridges. So we're early. It's only the 24th. My final question for you, Molly. Um, 
just, just a simple what the hell. Uh, Larry <laughs> just being a Met guy in the summer now on my <laughs> corner. Come on. How'd you like that uh, column after the 6 nothing loss to the Dodgers? That was one for the ages, man. I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like Larry honestly needs to call me up sometimes and be like, Greg, I just need one idea. And I could be like, Larry, I got 12. What do you need? And during, during, during Sunday Night Baseball last night, David Cohn was saying how like, you know, this is a situation Buck Showalter had been in before. Uh, the 1995 Yankees were 10 games under 500. I was like, well, there's the problem. We're talking about a team that played 30 years ago. Exactly. I think, I think I've solved it. Yeah. I just... <laughs> Sports, Molly. A mistake? Question mark? No, no. We have Larry. Larry loves loves baseball, and uh, he'll he'll just come on. He does Yankees and Mets in the summertime, and I I do the same. I help out where they need me. Um, and then Larry and I both cover the U.S. Open together, which is a lot of fun. Couple, oh, that's awesome. couple hockey heads, you know, in tennis land. So we love that. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of the off-season regiment for us <laughs> to keep us in shape. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, for the off-season, couldn't pick a better one. The Yankees stink. The Mets stink. Oh yeah, the Knicks just... didn't do anything. Uh, the Jets are on hard knocks. The Giants are fighting with their star running back. <laughs> what a what a time to be alive! For it's New York never sports. a dull day in New York sports ever. I mean, like I I'm so excited to see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. That's like my biggest thing that I can't wait to see how it unfolds because it's going to go one of two ways. He's oh, either, it's going to be a shit show. He's Molly. either no no, but it could go the other way. He is either going to lead this team, and I remember I said this recently, and I was like, he's going to lead this team to the Stanley Cup, and I was like, oh god, okay, no Super Bowl. <laughs> um, Molly, or, there's one thing stronger than than great athletes and it's sports curses the yeah. Mets the Mets have 600 million dollars I know oh my God. highest payroll in baseball by like a millennium and, and it's just they're the Mets it's not their fault no nope. like, he's trying to break the curse and unfortunately for the Jets and I don't know if you know this they're the Jets exactly exactly but I mean it's either gonna he's either gonna actually be the savior messiah that all of New York sports talk radio is making him out to be or he is going to be the biggest off-field headache, you know, just get hurt game two, you know, something crazy, and it's just going to be colossal, colossal failure and disappointment. Can't wait. Can't, can't, it's going to be one of two ways. Can't be anything in between. <laughs> Molly, can't appreciate you taking the time enough. Uh, anything you want to plug other than everything you do with the New York Post? <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter, Molly X. Walker. You can follow her on yeah, X. Yeah, you can follow me on <laughs> X and uh, the crap hole that uh, Twitter has become. But Ugh. Molly Walker, two E's, two R's. Cool. Find me on Threads. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. I had Threads for like a day and I was like, wait, you can't follow anybody? How do they not do the one feature that matters? I know, I know. It's, uh, it's, it's just, just a mess. <laughs> whatever. All right, Molly, can't appreciate you enough. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Hey, we're back. Going to do some five-star questions. Didn't do them last week, so we'll be doing them now. Uh, thanks to everyone who listened to our 400th episode and the Nice Guys. We got a lot of good feedback on the Nice Guys. Have you uh, seen Barbie review. yet? I have not. I have oh, not. boy. I had someone, one of my friends tried to go yesterday and said it was sold out all day long. Oh, yeah. No, uh, Jeff and I had to get tickets Wednesday for a 7 o'clock show on Friday. Movies are back. Uh, I got I to hand it to Barbie and Oppenheimer for having the best co-campaign of all time uh, in marketing. Yeah, just, just have you already seen the memes about um, Saw and Paw Patrol are releasing Saw, on the Saw same Patrol? day? Saw yeah, Patrol. Yeah, I, I saw that. That was good. I'm in. Um, there's a couple things to talk about with five stars, so let's do some of them. This is sure. from Slurps. Slurps. What's been your favorite moment slash thing of BSB? Oh. Uh, I, when we started the church and it worked, that was fucking cool. 
Your reveal of the church. Good good job on you completely keeping me out of the loop. It was it was for content and it worked. It it did. The bill also listen. The billboard's all time. The billboard worked. Um in the sense that it's now a thing. And not the sense that the Rangers got Jack Eichel. This uh this next question is uh useless to most of our listeners so i'll do it very quick since greg is always having questions about the mets here's one for you ryan i met i remember you mentioning slay the spire in an episode what's your highest ascension heart run and who's your favorite character in the relic i'll do this incredibly quickly i've done a 20 on all the characters i've done it all probably dead branch and ironclad thank you um no one's asking me about civilization six my favorite Civ game of five. all time love it uh, this is from TSE1231. You're on a Stanley Cup winning team. What are you doing in your cup day and why? Hmm. I think I'd be really lame with the cup. Me too. I'd, I'd like go to a really nice dinner and everything I'd order, I'd eat out of the cup. Oh, I'd go, I'd, go. I'd go to a, a back backyard barbecue, but I'm not hosting the barbecue. I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd have the cup. You're I'd, showing up. I'd essentially unannounced go to a a friend group that I'm close with, but they feel guilty inviting me to the barbecue. I would just show up with the cup to a thing that I didn't really get invited to, but my friends are at, but also who's going to say, no, you've got the cup. No, but they're like, it's to the point where they think, Oh, Greg, it's Greg's weekend with the cup. He's not going to come to our barbecue. We're not even probably going to tell him about this. And then I show up anyway with the cup and the weirdo who watches me hold the cup. With his white gloves. <laughs> I would like to go to the, the barbecue with the white gloves and just eat a bunch of chicken wings with the white gloves on. Make everyone really uncomfortable. Would you... I, okay. All right. I'm in. What are we doing? Would you eat ribs? Is it better to eat ribs wearing, like, surgical gloves? I, it, is it is there better? Something, is there something about being able to lick the ribs off your fingers when you're done with them that makes them better? Is it cleanlier? Yes. Greg, is it probably a better way to eat ribs? Yes. Is it the way I'll is ever eat ribs? Be- is it a better way to eat ribs? I like, don't think so. I'm it, a hands-on guy. So uh, you know me. The big reason I don't like um, chicken wings is because as a beard bro, I don't like feeling like I have to take a shower after I have a meal. Uh, I don't mind. <laughs> ribs, ribs is my exception where I'm cool looking like a three-year-old with cotton candy after I, I eat ribs. Uh, I'm I'm totally fine uh, with the wings. I'm a big wing guy in general. Not Buffalo Wild Wings, in case anybody's wondering. Not a sponsor. Maybe I don't know what's Spotify putting on here. Um, but uh, ribs in general, I, I like the idea makes sense to me. Like why you'd wear gloves, but I also just found out that no one else wears gloves to wash dishes except me. So I'm the weirdo. There's that. I I did wear gloves. So I I I wore gloves in high school when I was washing other people's dishes in like a culinary class. That makes sense. And I don't trust those people. Um, I know people with certain allergies wear gloves for sure. I just think it's nice. I don't know. I think it's too much work. I, I, how, how many, one, how many dishes do you have? Like maybe if I was washing a Thanksgiving feast worth of dishes, I cook a lot. So not to brag. Are you doing that many dishes though? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I cook a lot. Over, over six dishes. Yeah. I've actually become a dishwasher guy recently. We've had one for like many years and I just go, Hmm, I should probably start using that thing. And now I, uh, now you, I you seriously have over six. I'm not talking utensils, anything like that. No, six I know. legitimate dish slash bowl slash pants. Yes, sir. Yes, I will send a picture. Yes, well, I'll tell you this: if that's how many dishes you have, I think I don't think that's weird. Okay, I, th- I think there's a certain threshold because then your hands are in water so much at that point 
you're kind of fucking up your skin. I'm doing like a 10 to 15 minute dishwash. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... If, if you're washing like three dishes, it's like, we don't need gloves, dude. If you're I good. make a grilled cheese sandwich, I'm using one pan and a spatula. I'm not wearing gloves. Yeah, you're fine. You're yeah. totally fine. I'm with you. We're, we're on the same page. This is I, from Holmes, an actual hockey question. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, it, would you guys consider bringing Shayna or some other guest to, le- to lend some perspective on the PWHPA's acquisition of subsequenting slash shutting down the PHF? Um, I don't know much about asked. it. Well, I'm happy he asked because uh, I've been talking with... First of all, if you're not following Mike Murphy, he's been on this podcast many times before. I know I say this in the Discord anytime I see women's hockey news. Uh, he's dig at dig deep BSB, I believe, this on Twitter. Mike, first of all, kindest human being I've ever met in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And second, I don't think it's insulting to anybody else who co- covers women's hockey. And I'm sure Shayna would say this too. Mike is the most informed and enlightened, I'd say, women's hockey reporter. Um, he's been fantastic to follow and read during all this because I want to, I, I will go deeper into my feelings. I honestly, I had a conversation with Mike today and it was like, Mike, we need, I need you. I want you on the podcast. Um, he couldn't make it work today. He's coming on in the future. It's funny. This question comes up because we were talking today. Um, but yeah, Mike, he's the, he's, he's compassionate, nuanced, but also no bullshit. And I think that's a really, really special trait when it comes to someone covering something that isn't covered enough, quite frankly. Um, I, I mean, we don't talk about women's hockey enough. I, I, I That's on us. Um, I, I just don't, I don't follow it. That's I don't, just, you know. I don't, it, it, they're insanely talented. I would rather watch the women's hockey at the Olympics at this point than the men's hockey. I think it's more competitive. The storylines are better. I'm t- I'm just tired of men's hockey at the Olympics and the drama that surrounds it. But yeah, I I don't know you we'll get into the minutia of it with Mike for sure. I've never understood the PW the 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 Olympian hockey players and the weird rivalry they have with what the PHF was doing. It's I, never made sense. I to have me. no idea. So I'm very excited for Mike to fill me in cuz I have absolutely no clue. I, I follow just- I, I, my, my brain is on overload on the things I'm interested in. So yeah. to, to learn from Mike, who's the actual expert is what we do best in this podcast. Yeah. Mike will be coming on. We'll make it work. He, he was explaining his commute to me today where he like leaves at five 30, doesn't get home before eight. And I'm like, God bless. Uh, wow. no, you will, we, my, we my will not be talking is, to you tonight, sir. My commute is to my living room. Okay. Uh, this is to, from my dog farts. Nice. What are your expectations for this year? And what storylines are you both most interested in heading into the season? He's talking football, right? That's yeah. what you're talking about. No, uh, uh, probably Aaron Rodgers. Uh, have you watched QB or quarterback on Netflix yet? I'm just out on the NFL, as you know. I like I I'll, I'll, listen, I'll listen to Simmons and Sal. Outside of that, not much. Yeah, I tried watching the first episode of Quarterback. It's Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Interesting. Uh, but the first episode was a lot about the relationship he has with his wife, and I was like, all right, this is the version of Patrick Mahomes I don't want to know about. Then the second quarterback is Kirk Cousins pass most boring human being on planet earth and that's his entire bit on the show and the third quarterback is marcus mariota who marcus stopped, he stopped being a quarterback at week five so i i does he just not exist on the show after that i'm good thanks yeah I, I'm good. interesting concept i i appreciate netflix trying all these things go back to sunderland and finish the goddamn documentary because <sighs> that's the way to do it two more episodes that's it yeah well I don't know. I need, I need, I want, I just, I hope they're still filming and just show me the season when they get promoted back to the premier league. 
because I'm sure it's going to be immaculate. Uh, uh, we didn't answer his question at all, but you listen to this show. You know what we're, we're looking forward to. No, no, it's um, a question. Let's answer it. Let's uh, do what, it. What are your expectations for this year, and what are the storylines you're both most interested in? Uh, they're going to finish third in the Metro. They'll make the playoffs. They'll be very competitive in the playoffs, and I'm interested uh, Lafreniere. That, that's it. it it's, it's time. I think I, this I, is the year Capococco becomes a 60-point player. And I really hope that he has every single opportunity to be that. Every <sighs> single one. Do you think he needs to be a 60-point player to be a nope. really, really good hockey player? I think player? he's a really good hockey player right now, and he can help almost any team win. I think this is the year he takes that big step. Like, if he scores 35 points next year, but is one of the best two-way forwards in the NHL no, to I the point where we're having the Selkie conversation with him, you're going to be upset? No, not at all. I'm just saying that's what I think. That's what I'm looking forward to most. I think he takes the step. It's right there for him. I just don't think he'll ever get to 60. And I, but I'm also saying that's not a problem. He he is going to play on that top top line the whole season. He's, there's nobody else. My I, I I think I said this last week, and I'll I'll continue to pound this point home. My hottest take is I think there's a better chance this is Alexi Lafreniere's last season with the New York Rangers than is, there is a chance of him breaking out as a star. This is a perfect follow-up to our next question, which is from our friend Inferno. Can you guys tell this guy, Mike, he says his last name, but I'm not going to dox him, on the Yetis, that Lafreniere is not a bust. He's listening right now. I don't know if he – we can't say that yet, dude. Like, I would love to tell you he's not a bust, but I can't – I can't. he's a good player. Is he going to stay in the NHL? Yes. Is he going to be what he's anywhere near what he's supposed to be? I, I can't say that. How could I say that with a straight face? I think Alexi Lafreniere is going to have – 12-plus year NHL career, for sure. He does things, even in this form, that are valuable and translatable to every team in the league. At the same time, I just, I just it's hard to think of a worse situation for him to come into as a young player. And I think whatever his ceiling is, there's a better chance of him reaching it with not the New York Rangers. <laughs> hard for me to argue. Have you seen you've seen how we've developed forwards? Um, we're going to save this next one for the last question because we can have a little bit of extended conversation. For this. this is from Brettley. Which Rangers saw Oppenheimer first, and which Rangers saw Bobby Barbie first? I think you and I have the same answer. It's both Chris Kreider. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, Truba definitely saw Barbie first. Nah, that's probably fair. I've seen the Truba dancing videos. Yeah, Truba Truba saw Barbie first for sure. Kreider. Carter seems Bar- Oppenheimer. Yeah, he's, he's in. He's uh, wearing a Sean Avery mask, and he's in Oppenheimer. No, yes. no, he. I, you know what? He didn't write it. That would have been. Um, that would be almost too on the nose. Chris Kreider, if you watch the credits, is like boom operator number three. Yes, Chris yeah. Kreider was involved in the production of Oppenheimer. That he, much he, I know. He's also seen it twice. And the better. One the of better the question is which player on the New York Rangers would be most out of place and confused by seeing Oppenheimer. And why is it once again Phil Heedle? It is Phil Heedle. God, it, poor kid. Is he going to get drafted in our Good Hangs 3? Uh, Good Hangs 3 coming uh, sometime in September. <laughs> so Is he going to get drafted this year? We drafted 20 guys, and the only guy we didn't draft was Phil Heedle. I think he's going to make it this year. I might draft Sammy Blay again. This is disgusting. Um, all right. The last question is from our dear friend, uh, Tagda Seamus. Sh- Sh- I don't know why I struggle so much. I'm sorry, buddy. Um, he asks, how about them O's? How about oh. them O's? More importantly, how about them Rays? Yeesh. Well, that's that's why I brought this up. Okay. Uh, so I'm a Rays fan, as everybody knows. I uh, grew up a Yankee fan, changed through my Rays uh, allegiance in about 2008 after I read a book by a guy who's now in jail. Um, Jonah Carey? Yeah. He wrote a... Was his first book about the Rays? It was the extra 2%. 
Oh, that was Jonah. I I only read his Expos book. Yeah, uh, the I read I read the extra two percent. I was out of love with baseball at the time. I fell back in love. Have you ever read was, Moneyball? No, I've never read the actual book. I've seen wow. the movie. You, uh, I own it. I've never seen read the book. I will though. One book's day. phenomenal. I love the book. You honestly, the you're gonna read the book and finally be as angry about the movie as I am. It's weird because I've I've read a bunch of baseball books, including like Sandy Koufax's autobiography, which I think is astonishing. If anybody wants to read it, it's awesome. Um, but yes, so the Rays. The Rays have gone. Uh, they started twenty. I think it was twenty eight and six or something like that. They've since gone uh, thirty one and thirty five. Uh, and well, you're, every, bar- you're burying the lead. They have four wins in the month of July. This is correct. They are garbage. They are uh, really, really bad. Did and I part- see they are 4-13 and 13 after their loss yesterday? This is correct. And uh, Wander Franco can no longer hit. Randy Rosarena is in a massive slump. All of their pitching is hurt with the exception of Zach Eflin, who got blown up last week. Uh, they are playing players. They, have, they just cannot. The magic has totally reversed. In every single way. It's been an abject disaster. It's not like the Mets, but the remember when they were like breaking home run records every single day? They were like, you know what? We're going to hit ball far. That's kind of it. Uh, they really can't hit the long ball anymore. They can't defend as much. Their defense is struggling. There's I, I, I got to go on and on here. The, the wheels have fallen off the Tampa Bay Rays, and the O's have hit on all cylinders. I, I'm a big O's guy. Um, if you go back and listen to... Vinny and I did a predict where like the top 15 free agents were going to go in the off season. I made this whole case for why the Orioles should back up the truck and give Verlander a massive two year deal because Baltimore guy grew up in Baltimore. The O's were ready to start spending again in my eyes, take that next leap. Um, as much as I liked the Orioles, they, I hated their off season. They did nothing. I thought they should have done more. I thought they were going to be too reliant on their kids to come up and be immediate impacts, especially the pitchers. Dude, and, they they have like nine more. I know, I know. If they're that, the Orioles to me, if any team could make the argument that they should rent Otani for three months and not worry about signing him, it's the Baltimore Orioles because I truly believe they are the one team that could send five top prospects and still be fine. The Rays could do it too, but just because of the form they're in right now, it's just not not happening. I, I think th- they're seriously involved. I don't think the Rays have the stones for an Otani trade. They wouldn't do it. They they just they would look at the value chart and they'd be like, the value of the prospects. We're not doing this. And that there there's no chance. Well, actually, the value chart would probably be pro Rays on that point because again, it's Shohei Otani. I understand. Yes. Yeah, it's I un- mean, untradeable. Yeah, and plus the Rays will just make three more trades with the Guardians where you get seven more junior Camarinos and you're fine. Look, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah, no, you're good. You're good. But uh, it's been really bad. And Wander and Randy just not doing anything has been. And y- Yanni Diaz, too, is taking a big step back. But the beauty of starting as hot as you did is you can have a 4-13 and 13 month and be what? One and a half games back of the Orioles? Two games back, which is the last in our series of them right now. They've been kicking our ass, and we are 61-42. and 42. Yeah, I... The Rays are going to regress back to the mean positively. The Orioles are going to regress back to the mean negatively unless the Orioles make some swings at this deadline. I think they should. I think the Orioles, if any team should be in the Shane Bieber conversation, it's the Orioles. Any pitcher that has either star is a star or multiple years of control on their contract after this, the Orioles can trade Jerstad, Kowser, Westberg, and D.L. Hall, and they'll be fine. No, totally fine. Those are those are throwaway guys for them, which is yeah. And those sickening. are top. They're top one hundred prospects. Sickening throwaway they, guys. They don't need Westberg has nowhere to play. 
I actually have one more question, then I got to run for you. Well, I have one uh, more question. How's Andrew? How's Drew Jones doing again? Remind oh, me. he's still hurt. Um, can't he still has he's not played this year at mm. all? Yeah. Yep, he's really bad. I will regret that decision for the rest of my life. You still don't regret taking Dominguez ahead of Adley, though, huh? I don't, know. Do you just hate the Orioles? Is is this a thing? It was funny. I thought about this, and I, I think at the time, I was like, the Orioles really can't develop prospects. Interesting. And things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you've, you've made the most notable decisions at the top of drafts in our league history, and both have been you giving middle fingers to Orioles. It has been. Uh, I, Adley, I, I'm still not there, partially, um, because I have Francisco Alvarez, and I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, but you could also have Adley. I understand. I get it. Um, anyway, uh, final question for trade deadline for you. Uh-huh. Do you think Cody Bellinger gets traded from the Cubs? I, absolutely. Absolutely. You don't think there's a chance they try and keep him? What's Is the benefit he... of the Cubs? Do we think... Okay. He's, not go- the... He's so good. Do we think the Cubs are going to be good next year? No, I still think they're building around something. I, yeah, but are they are they keeping Stroman and Bellinger, and that's your core? They or, like the how many years do you rebuild for in Chicago? I guess is my question. But they don't have anybody coming. Who do yeah, they have they coming? Nobody. Like Nico one guy. Horner, Nico Horner and Ian Happ are fine players, but they're not cornerstone guys. They have like Tristanos, and he's like, that's it. Like that's it. Yeah, they, I don't think they're they're not ready. I they. Listen, Bellinger did exactly what I was hoping he would do. Um, I take even a, take think a prove I, it deal. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like the Cubs are gonna have to fucking pay him. So if you're gonna have to fucking pay him, why don't you trade him and just pay him? Where's he going? I think he might it, end up in Philadelphia. Really, Philly? I don't think so. I do. Well, well, no, is this you think this because they've pigeonholed Harper in at first base, which opens a DH spot to get Schwarber out of the outfield? Correct. Uh, but who's Philly giving up? Yeah, like they have a couple guys. Like Rojas is one of the guys they'll probably look at. And I don't know. I the Yankees should. The Yankees should, but they're not going to. Well, the, I guess the better question is, are the Yankees Cody Bellinger away from being good? N- no, and I sir. I don't think so. No, sir. That lineup is horrific. The Phillies, it would make a big difference. Yeah, the Phillies is a good one. Um, trying to think of West uh, American League teams. Astros make a lot of sense. That would especially. make me sick. Yeah, I make a lot of people <laughs> sick. The Rangers don't need the bat. They're going to be shopping for pitching probably. Yes, sir. Um, the Mariners are going to do the weird thing where I think they buy and sell simultaneously. Like they are, every Marcana rumor is just the Mariners really like them. And I'm like, cool, take them. Great. Yeah, good. What are you giving me? I would love Class A, who's like their 10th best prospect. That sounds great to me. 45 stolen bases. So, yes. I think it's, I think it's up over 50 now. Yeah, he's speed he's, he's, he fast. Um, yeah, I, I does anybody in the American League Central do anything? They no. all suck. They all suck. Like all of them could use Cody Bellinger, but who's actually trading for him? I just think Dave Dombrowski, who is the GM of the uh, Phillies, and also gets mentioned in Moneyball um, on the phone call. He is very aggressive with these kind of things, and with them going to the World Series last year, I just see him trying to make one more push. You know who would be interesting. But it won't happen. It would have happened if Jeter stayed. The Marlins are feisty, man. They've been they've been bad lately, but they're still in a playoff spot. I know that would be good, but they won't do it. If he goes to the Braves, I do think I'll go to jail. I'll just go you to jail. Should. Like I won't even com- I won't even commit a crime. I'll just be like I I need to be in jail so I don't have to pay attention to this. Take take me in. I just uh, I, I hate that team. He's the hottest hitter in all baseball right now, outside of Shohei Tani. Again, disclaimer. He's but- been great. 
Bellinger's been great. He bet on himself in the best way possible, went to a situation that was going to feed him at bats no matter what happened. And fixed fixed his swing, figured out how to hit high fastballs again, and then that was it. Yeah, and he's been great. I, I think, who's the biggest name that gets traded this year? I actually don't think it's Otani. I think they write it out and lose out on a trade package. Is and it the Soto? Angels are a disaster. I think Soto is the guy. I think it's Soto. It's always been weird to me that they extended everybody but Soto. I think signed so- Bogarts. I think Soto told them we're not I'm not going. I'm not signing. He was always walking to free agency? Yeah, I think so. Did he tell them that before he arrived? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. At the they, listen, they still did fine in that trade. They did fine in that trade. I'm not worried about it. They had a, uh, but I think they're going to try and trade Soto for a monstrous package. Now, where he goes, I don't know, but I think he's always walking to free agency. Oh. Let's just we're just going to keep putting people on the Orioles. How Oh my god. How amazing would it be if you returned to the Capital District with not the Nationals to lead the resurgent Baltimore Orioles? Soto on the Orioles would make me so sick. (laughs) So sick. I'd love it. Uh, I'd have it. I think think he's the guy. Uh, I just don't. I I think he turned down $440 million over 15 years from the Nationals. And uh, he wants to get that big time payday. And he's going to go to free agency to get it. He's not going to extend with the team. The only way he signs an extension to me, no, honestly, I think Soto is a smart enough guy and has smart enough people around him where he sees Otani, realizes the Dodgers and Mets can't both sign him, so whoever doesn't is going to be like, want Soto. (laughs) Here's the same exact contract. We already wrote it up. I know it's an overpay, but we can't miss twice. Similar contract. I think think Shohei gets a bump. Um. Shohei, uh, Shohei lands how close to Mbappe? It's, you know what? This is great. Because I don't think it's that far off. So the Mbappe rumor no, but is the like diff- 772 million. But that's for one year. I know. Um, which is sickening. Did you see he was going to be making $88,000 an hour? Yeah, and I think he's going to say no to this, by the way. So uh, well, I mean, we'll see. I, I do too. I What's your... Th- I, well, well, I'm honest. I know you got to go. Uh, I, have ten, I have six minutes. Six minutes. You were going to say 10. You're changing. Good man. Um, where are you on the whole Saudi thing? Cause I just, I think it's a big, as close to a nothing burger as humanly possible. Sketchy, I know, but I, a nothing burger. I do want to get Ishan on to talk about this eventually. Yes. Um, they just haven't signed a, like an in prime star yet. I'm they, not worried about the Firminos, the Benzema's, the Ronaldo's. They have the current, uh, I, I think they, I don't think their, their thing is to really, um, get people to watch. I, I don't think that's the goal. I think the goal is to be respected enough to get into the champions league and start building the brand but they're not in europe uh they will be in three years because of this that you think i do i think that's the goal just to be part of the champions league i don't see i don't see it happening we saw how hard everybody came down on the super league thing i gotta tell you the henderson thing from liverpool um going to steven gerrard's new team has been really hard for me <laughs> Will you just sack up and give Southampton fifty million for Lavia? Well, we're gonna do it. Don't worry. Yeah, he's, he's gonna he's gonna piss me off and be great with he, you. Don't and you'll love him in three months. We're waiting for, for. I don't know if you saw this, but for, we're we're off the rails now. But Fabinho, um, he's we're also selling him to Saudi Arabia for forty million dollars, about what we bought him for. Uh, and it's almost on the rails because his pugs can't go there. What? Yes, his pugs are illegal in Saudi Arabia, so uh, the deal might fall through. You know what, though? This is making me like Fabinho a lot more. Yeah, good dog guy. I, t- I take dogs over money every day. I watched, That's what I'm saying. I watched Jurassic Bark accidentally this morning. 
I just love uh, the idea of you accidentally watching. I, I just, I had, I've been, I just had Futurama on in the background while I was doing work, yep. and it was already six minutes into the episode. I looked up, and you just hear Fry being like Seymour, and I'm like, oh no, oh, no, the, one of the uh, saddest moments in TV history. Oh my god, the last three minutes of that episode, honestly, uh, I watched it the first time. Like, I think I was like, I don't know, fourteen, fifteen. I was like watching on Adult Swim. It was like. 2.30 in the morning, and then I just couldn't sleep. That was it for me. Yeah, no, uh, similar for me. Just it was held on my dog for like three hours. <laughs> adult swim. I was older than 14. I made myself a nice bowl of ice cream, sat yep. down on the couch as my dog was laying next to me. Yep. And the end of that comes on, and I like I sobbed. Yeah, uh, I just held my dog for a long time. Anyway, Mbappe. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't think he takes it. I, I, I think he thinks too much about his reputation and legacy in a, in a weird Kevin Durant way. Well, no, I, I, you think... See, I, don't think Ke- I think Kevin Durant says he doesn't care, but then cares. Yeah, well, he's done it all wrong. Yes. Yeah, he, he's not – Mbappe is not Kyrie. We can no, say no, that. No, no, no. No, uh, no. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, Mbappe has to already have a contract with Madrid. It has to be for a lot of money. It's next year. It's done. All that garbage. I also think I can't believe star, they young you stars too. in Europe care about Champions League. They do. It's an important tournament to them. It, it gets them lot. national exposure, gets them international exposure. It's essentially the testing ground for whether they're going to be on a um, Euro roster or a World Cup roster. I think Euro is 2024. So mm-hmm. this season is important. Mbappe needs to do a lot of things in the Champions League. Whereas if he went to Saudi and essentially did training runs for eight months, I don't think Mbappe would feel like he is prepared enough to play in the Euros. And I, I think that matters. I think it I matters do. to him too, and I, I think, I think he thinks I have enough money already, even though, even though that is an insane amount of cash for one year. It's just like I, I, I kind of keep going back to this Charles Barkley quote when Soto turned down the fifteen years, uh, four hundred forty million. He's like, "What are you doing differently with four hundred and forty million that you're doing with five hundred million? Like, I don't know. What are you doing differently? I have no clue. Yeah, you tell me. I also wonder if Mbappe has seen how Pogba's career has played out, and he's like, you know what? I just could avoid that entirely yeah because Pogba bounced around Italy Juventus Man United and it it, everywhere he went he went with accolades and always never really got there though I think people remember his Juventus years a lot better but Mbappe grew up idolizing Pogba he was the guy that you know him and Henri Pogba obviously a lot younger than Henri but he was the star that led Mbappe's generation in and I do wonder if Mbappe saw that and was like, you know what? Fuck that. No, I'm just, I'll play for PSG. It's a bit, it, here's the other thing. Everything that's gone wrong with PSG is because it's, it's Middle Eastern money. It's Qatari ownership and he hates it. So why would he want to go from Qatari ownership to Saudi ownership? He clearly hates it. He clearly they, they, they it. fucked. They fucked up. They, they pissed did. off Messi. They pissed off Neymar. They pissed off Mbappe. How do you piss off those three guys? That's like the three those guys are the three guys you make happy. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus. In the NBA, they would be like taking care of like gods, all three of them. Like yeah, imagine, gods. imagine there was there was just an ownership group that pissed off simultaneously LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, and that's why the Heat failed. That's not yeah, that's not any reason the Heat failed. So well, they didn't fail. They won plenty. They and won too. Everybody was yeah. like, yeah, we're gonna go get the bag. See you later. Yeah, good, good for them. Yeah. All right, I do have to go. But all right. This has fine. been an episode. Of, I could keep going on this one. This is good. Um, we'll, we'll we'll dive more into the Saudi thing because I think it's really really interesting. Um, in the future. I'll have to have you sign on for like a bonus sometime in September or something. All right. So, uh, we'll be... Probably uh, probably in the next three weeks, buddy. You're right. Slim, slim pickets. August. Sometime in August. Each on your listening. Congratulations. You're in. Um, 
You can follow me on Twitter or X, whatever. <laughs> That's another thing. Oh, my F- God. All right. You can follow VSBOT this week is that. Yes. VSBOT this week is just Hockey Twitter. That's it. Congratulations. Hockey X. Hockey X. Sorry. Oh, God. All right. We'll talk to you guys then. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show. So this is the part where I talk about the NHL Insiders chat and kind of what happened this week. You're never going to believe it. Barbieheimer. Every single person has seen Barbie or Oppenheimer or trying to except me. Uh, I think that's literally been half the chat the entire week. I cannot escape it. It has been constant. I hope everyone's having a great time at Barbieheimer. I will, it'll be a couple weeks before Ryan gets to see it. So without further ado, I would like to thank those NHL Insider members uh, who are the names named as followed. Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Gratulo, Adam Linder, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Carter, Amber Cohensberger, Andrew Ronner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Morturo, Anthony Terragata, Ben Water, Ben Webbers, Bennett, Bennett Lomayera, Bill Olson, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian, Do- Brian Gallagher, Brian Doherty, Brian Mallon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy Rollman, Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, CJ Stellweg, and Connor Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dizen, David Narodin, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, D- Eric Stagg, Garrett Rainis. Greg talks about the Mets, and I talked about the race today. Greg Kresge, McFly, Hayek, Waivers before Ryan Miracle. I know, I know, I know. Harrison Haskell, Hell Fanella, Hippie 89, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Rusher, Jack Bagley, James Masker, Jerry and Marquez. Next page, Jason Stumer. Jason Zabrowski, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, John Shea, Jonathan Cuck, Jordan, Josh Kashevon, Christopher Florida, Kevin Yu, Christoph Berg, Lashik, Lashik, Leshik, Gronowski, Lou Giordano, Matthew Kine, Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cat, Mike Kanick, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Manascu, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafy, Neil Grover, Nicholas DiNicola, other slash Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kodratiev, Phoenix Ignition, PJ Sparrow, World Six Gamer, Randy Tesser, Rocco Thompson, Stiegel Box, Weingart, Tog, Sheamus. I think I nailed it that time. I think I nailed it. The Drop PK, Tommy Sinclair, Tommy Tedeschi, Tommy O'Neill, Tony Gregory, two first names, Tori from Manhattan, the original supporter, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, Wayne E. Will Spectre, and Winston, the Golden Retriever, Bark, 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 Bark. Hey, thanks for listening to the show in July. I can't believe you got to this part. If you did, you're very special. Thank you. I think you're special. BSBOT this week will be all about Twitter. I just, I, I have to talk about it. I'm fascinated by this entire thing. Not trying to give Musk credit. I will not do that. I'm just fascinated by where it's going. I have no idea. It's just something I would never predict. So I need to talk about it because it's most of my life. That's how we kind of got the show off the ground, other than Reddit, which has also been bad. Ever since Reddit shut down all their uh, external apps, I've been really, really upset. And off of it, mostly. I think I might Reddit consumption has reduced 85%, 90% since they shut down the apps. The main app is terrible. Oh, my God. All right. We'll be back later this week. Love you guys. Bye.